Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Live from Pompano Beach, Florida. I want to welcome everyone to the Kayak Fishing Raw podcast. Oh, yeah. Freddie, it is good to see you, my friend. What's going on, brother? We're back. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a little while. We had a slate on. What was that? Two weeks ago? A couple weeks ago, Mr. Blackwell. Yeah, that was awesome. Chancellor, governor. Ch- Chancellor, governor, president. Um, yep. Senator. Senator. Yep. Yeah, it was good having him on. We learned about some monster tuna. And uh, if you guys missed that podcast, uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and you can check that out. Uh, but we got an awesome show today. And yeah. this is your buddy. Yeah, this is um, this is everybody's buddy. Okay. I rounded up Mr. George Pavaramo. Awesome. You guys probably know him from from uh, George Pavaramo's World of Saltwater Fishing. Um, it's been on the air for, God, forever. Like, I think 18 years on okay. actual television. So, yeah, long time show. Um, now, what does he do exactly? Uh, he fishes basically just saltwater or for yeah, everything? Yeah, 900% saltwater. Okay. Yeah, from everywhere from, you know, here in South Florida where he's from all the way to, you know, I think last year they went to Prince Edward Islands. Yeah. Now you work with him, right? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm one of the camera operators on the show for the season that is on TV now. Right. Which we filmed last year. Okay. And then um, moving forward, as long as they'll have me, I'll be there. So is this thing like addicting or what? Like I got to keep playing with it, the mic. I don't want to make that comment. It's just... There's just something so cool about this. You know what I mean? Bulky. What? <laughs> uh, no, but that's exciting getting him on here. And uh, cheers to you, man. I mean, you did some work with this guy. I mean, he's on national TV. I mean, bravo. Got him on the podcast, bro. Pavaramo. Now, you were with him in New Jersey, right? Yeah, it was funny. I was about to tell you a story. Uh, yeah, I want to hear about the Jersey stuff. Well, so we, we slayed those striped bass. Like It wasn't even nothing. Okay, so what, what exactly happened, though? You were telling me they were hitting left and right. All those rods were just going nuts, right? Bunker? Yeah, we'll get, in it, we'll get into it with Mr. Pavaramo because he, he, um, he has this really cool, like, which is probably why he's been on the TV so, so long, but he has this great way of like explaining and like describing things. It's really funny. And he's, he's just good at it. He's, a, and you know, people have been watching that guy for years and people, a lot of people look up to him. Matter of fact, we were, when we were at, we stayed at the golden nugget in um, Atlantic city. Right. And like, um, it was really funny cause we were at one of the restaurants there. I think it's called Vic and Anthony's. Uh, does that sound right? Vic and Anthony's. Uh, Whatever. I don't know. Anyway. So we're eating dinner and like, we're just all in street clothes. No one, famous obviously except for george and right. so there's no cameras or anything we're just sitting there having dinner and like in the middle of dinner the waiter comes over and he's like hey um there's there's two ladies over here that want to meet you and there's like these old ladies and they're sitting there by themselves oh, having God. drinks it was so funny because like there's no indication like they just knew who he was you right know what i mean like they just knew no one else in the restaurant knew who who george was or who we were or what we were doing but sure. there's no indication that we were like a crew of filming people or any of that stuff 
it was really funny. Like they just, and, and he walked over obviously because he's like super gracious and And this is uh, in Atlantic City. It was at the casino. Like we stayed at the Golden Nugget. So like okay. we we're at the restaurant in the casino. We're just sitting down having dinner and these two old ladies are like, Can you come over and like how old? Like eighty? Seventy? Uh, it probably in their seventies. Really? Seventies, like yeah. I would, well I, they're the gamblers. My yeah. grandma used to go to the casino with her with her uh cop. Yeah. She had like the casino cup full of coins. Yeah. So she just sit there all day and ching ching ching. Yeah, they were obviously fans. Like it wasn't some weird thing where like, you know, a lot of people would do that if they just know there's a celebrity. Right. They didn't. There was no indication that there was a celebrity. Like huh. he just got noticed by these old ladies. It was really funny. Yeah. I mean, I, personally, I'm not gonna lie. I haven't really seen any of his stuff only because I I don't really watch TV. So um, you know, I go to the movies occasionally. But um, growing up, I do remember uh, the Spanish Fly. You remember that when I was a little um, kid, he had like the black fro kind of, and he he would fish for um he would he would fly fish. I don't remember. For, it. Like, George would probably tell you some stories about it. So yeah, I mean sure. that would be cool if he knew him because now he died in a plane crash, the Spanish fly, here in South Florida in the Everglades. Whoa. Crazy. I think it was like 2005, 2006 or something like that. You think one of those UFOs got him? Speaking of UFOs. I knew I knew I, I am very glad you brought this up <laughs> and I'll try to get it in before uh, before George calls in. But um, so. All right. Years ago, I said this on an older podcast with Jay. I had an experience. OK, where uh, I was in a hot tub. I was looking up. Probe, OK, probing. Was I probing didn't get probed. Oh, I was looking up in the hot tub and I was with like my ex-girlfriend at the time. And and uh, what was his name? Fear weirdo. And. Oh. I swear to God, this is what I saw. I saw like this, this circular thing, right? But it was, it was see-through. Like I mm. saw the stars mm-hmm. through it. And if, if I wasn't looking up like straight at this thing, mm. you, you would never see it. But, but if, if you could picture like maybe like Star Trek, the Klingons, you mm. know how their ships, they go cloak. And, and when they're cloaked, you kind of see the wave of the stars. So you see the object but it's semi-invisible like predator just like predator predator just like the predator. you saw like a flying disc in cloak correct mode, in full-on cloak full, mode. full-on cloak predator mode hmm. so that was years ago so a week ago but no probing not yet so a week ago okay mm-hmm. now i don't really sleep well and i'm always up around like four o'clock and i'll go out to my truck get on my phone you know answer some emails get some work done uh, just because I don't sleep, uh, and I don't want to wake Maria up in the bed. So I woke up early in the morning, just like any other morning. Mm-hmm. I get my cup of coffee. I go to the truck, and uh, I'm looking up. I just And I always do this. I always look up. You know, it was a clear night. It was a big moon. And uh, again, man, Warren, I... Warren G. Um, well, this one's weird because this thing... Damn it. I saw the same kind of object. It was like circular... And you actually saw like the light from the moon, like shimmer around it. Mm. And I swear to God, it was another cloaked ship. And let me tell you something. People are seeing UFOs all of a sudden. There's like a, uh, you heard about the, on Yahoo, about those pilots. I heard a Yahoo talk about a UFO. You're an idiot. I can't believe you're, <laughs> I did, you're unbelievable. I did hear a Yahoo Dude, talk about Dude, if you UFO. go to yahoo.com the, the, in the government. Does that even still exist? Yes. And, um, and they were... You know, these guys uh, were trying to track this UFO object, and they actually tracked it. Mm. And this is on, like, live channels mm-hmm. where these guys are like, holy crap, this thing is unbelievable. It's right. going so fast. A human couldn't possibly, like, our bodies couldn't stay together. That's how fast this thing was going. 
Well, what if there wasn't a human in it? Could be, could be drones. That's the question. Mm. Now, are they – what I'm seeing, these cloaked ships, are they, are they government-made or are they, are they alien? I mean I, that's why they're called UFOs. I mean but I'm telling you, man, something is going on here. I think it is. I, I'm telling you. Have you ever heard of uh, psilocybin? No. It's that stuff you take right before you see the UFOs. Oh, like a Percocet. Uh, no, like mushrooms. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's psilocybin. I actually, I feel, I feel like you eat, Fred. I, I feel like you've eaten a, a number of mushrooms and then you gazed upon the stars me, overhead. Man. I'm telling you, from this flat Earth, there is something going on. There's an alien agenda, and they're coming, my friend. They're coming for you. They're coming for me. They're coming for all these kayakers that are listening to this show. It's happening. You think? What do you think they want? I think it's a mixture of. Uh, resources. resources. Oh, okay. I think it's a mixture of um, uh, us, mm. like our DNA, or or maybe they want to. You know, there was a theory that you've heard of the Grays, right? With the big black not. eyes. I have not. You're just big black eyes or big black guys. Big black eyes. We say that slowly because that's <laughs> definitely that's called phonetically ambiguous. But let me tell you something. So these things they come here and they have an agreement with the government. To where they give the government technology, which is basically false technology because they know we'll never be able to crack it. And in return, the government says, which they can't stop them anyway, they say, listen, do what you got to do. Abduct these cows on farms. Abduct these people. Uh, we can't stop you anyway. So these big black guys from outer space, right? they come over and they're like, here's the, like basically giving someone from 200 years ago a Sega Genesis, right? And they're like, we'll trade you this for your cows. Right. No, not just cows for like – that makes sense. People. We'll trade, you, we'll trade you this Sega Genesis for your daughter. Correct. Okay. No, I buy it now, now, now that you explain well, it. Well, and think of it like this. I mean, it makes perfect sense <laughs> now. <laughs> but, but think <laughs> – For a crying out loud. But, I mean, seriously, if you think about this, like, uh, look at all the stuff that's happening. I mean, there's got to be – do you not believe that there's something out there? I don't believe that they come here and – play with us you really don't believe that no what would you no, i really do what about all those ufos that. that people see where do they go they it used to be really big before everyone had a camera in their pocket it's still pretty now big. they don't see any of them anymore not like true almost never did you just see the article that was just out on the pilots in the plane and everyone on the plane saw this object in the sky that was like drone like but it was going so fast and the way it was moving it was impossible for it to be something of ours. Mm. Impossible. Unless we don't know about it yet. Oh, we got George calling in. Oh, snap. George, how are you, buddy? I'm doing just fine. How about you? I'm all right. This is Joe Hector. He's the host of the show. George, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, Joe. How about yourself today? Hey, it's great to talk to you, and it's great to have you on the podcast. It's, a, it's an honor. Well, and, I appreciate and, that a lot, and uh, I'm happy to be here and chatting with you guys. Awesome, man. Now, Fred was telling me um, he did a job with you, and you guys were in New Jersey. That's my home state, and uh, I don't think the fishing gets enough credit there, uh, especially from people here in South Florida, but I heard you guys killed it with the, uh, with the striped bass. No doubt about it, and what you initially said, that uh, the fishing in New Jersey doesn't seem to garnish as much respect to say, or fishing out of Florida. Now, I'm a native Floridian, South Floridian to be exact, 
And I could tell you from all the trips that I've done throughout the years to New Jersey, fishing trips, they have sensational fisheries. And yep. the people that fish, I, I, I mean, I compare them to those in South Florida. They have the same passion, the same aggressiveness, the same, you know, we need to be on that water catching these fish. It, it's just a remarkable fishing state and a lot of quality fishing. Yeah, and, I, and you know, I tell people, I'm like, listen, even though New Jersey is like really seasonal, the fishing there in those seasons are phenomenal, like with the, with the bunker run, and you got thousands and thousands of bunker, and you're snagging them, and then you're putting them out as baits. I mean, there's so many things to do. You got the fluke, you got flounder, you got bluefish. I mean, you could go out to the canyons and catch bluefin tuna. I mean, it's, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's a lot of people I tell this to in South Florida, they're just like, what? Pollywogs? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and all those fish that you mentioned, you know, we uh, caught them out of Jersey uh, for my television uh, series and also for any saltwater sports articles that I've written before. But we've done it all there from the canyon fishing. Uh, we've got makos, uh, bluefins, yellowfins, uh, white marlin. Then you come back in for your striped bass and your, your flukin. It's just a really remarkable and, and diverse fishery up there. What was your uh, what was your biggest mako? Because that's big down there. Biggest mako we caught there. I, if memory serves me right, I want to say it was like around two forty ish or two fifty, somewhere in that zone, is what a we beast. caught, and we caught I think two or three of them that evening. That is awesome, man. I mean, there's uh, I tell a lot of people here. I'm like, listen, man, there is nothing like mako sharks. Like they got this like bluish purplish color, black eyes. Um, they're great eating. I mean, phenomenal. Uh, just, just an awesome fish. Oh, no doubt about it. It really is. And it, it's so funny because, it, you know, I'm sitting here promoting New Jersey, and, and I, I was born down here, and I never even lived in New Jersey. I just <laughs> fish up there. We do a seminar series up there. So I don't want somebody to think, well, here's George. You know, he must be from Jersey. I, I'm just really <laughs> cheering on the fisheries there. And, and going back to the Mako Shark, what's so funny is north of the Mason-Dixon line, people – Love sharks like we do marlin south of the Mason-Dixon line. Now, in my own personal opinion, fishing out here in the Bahamas, it would have to be really an incredibly slow day for me to decide, well, let's try to catch a shark. Unless, of course, it's a mako <laughs> shark. That's a different story. But, right. you know, I'm not even so sure I'd rather drop down and pull on a shark. I'd rather put the boat in a trailer and wash it with a shark. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, George, um, just let, now speaking of that, let's let's go back to the Florida thing and talk about, you know, what got you started with, I mean, how did you even get started with what you're doing today? I mean, because it's, it's phenomenal. It's awesome. It's my dad. My dad was a, a dentist in Bay Harbor Islands, uh, the Miami Beach area, and he loved fishing with a passion. And ever since I was a little kid, I remember he would take me on the seawall near Biscayne Bay, and, and with his little plastic rod and reel, I'd catch these grunts that might have been a quarter of a pound, if that, and he's a little snapper. And then from that point on, I was like, hooked. I had to do that. And, you know, and we grew up uh, fishing in North Biscayne Bay for sea trout and snook tarpon. And then um, my drag, or, or magnetic force, whatever you want to call it, started pulling me offshore where, you know, the bay fishing was fun, but I wanted that big open ocean. I wanted the monsters that were in that ocean, and that's what drove right. me to head offshore and become an offshore person. But uh, long and short of it, my father was the one who got me into it. And he fished a lot on the weekends, and 
taught me a lot, and I didn't want to do any other sport growing up. You know, I had a fish, whether it was a local canal for bass or Biscayne Bay. That was my whole passion, and that's what I had to do, stick with the fishing. Right. Sounds fun to me. So, George, um, so I was telling uh, Joe before um, before you called in about New Jersey and how you uh, you had some fans at the restaurant that night. You remember those two ladies that um, called you over? Well, uh, we yes, I dinner. do. And yes, I was just I telling him like, because the younger, like uh, the younger fishermen, especially for us, like we, we, we're, we fish off of kayaks, as you know, and like, it attracts like a lot of younger people, you know, and so they're new to fishing and they didn't really even grow up watching television, like on Saturday morning. So they don't know you. So mm-hmm. like, I was explaining to him, like how, how like deeply rooted you are in like television and even the, in, in, um, in different States and really all over the world, people, um, you know, they comment on your Facebook stuff and you just, you've had fans for years. Um, do you have any like really funny, like sort of fan stories? Like do people pull you, you know, aside at restaurants all the time, or is that just something that happens randomly, regular, not, not no, regularly? It, 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 it happens, uh, you know, fairly often and you'll be in a restaurant or you'll be in an airport or you'll be in some place where you wouldn't even expect it. And somebody will come up, hey, I watch your show all the time, and uh, then you'll chat with her about fishing and, and that. And it, it, it's sort of funny that you, you get recognized. I can understand uh, along a coastal destination where saltwater fishing is a, is a big sport getting recognized, but you could be flying and changing planes in, say, uh, Atlanta or changing planes in Dallas or something, and somebody in the airport will come up and say they, they watched the show and talk to you about it. So, it, so it's a little bit on the bizarre side, the, yeah. the reach and, and where these people come from that that, that would recognize you. Yeah, yeah. That, that's hilarious, man. Yeah. Well, that, I, I was going to ask you. I mean, what was your big break? Like, how did it start? Like, uh, did anything happen, or was it just was it just you met somebody? I mean, how did it all kind of <laughs> get to where you are today? Yeah. Uh, how it happened, it, it, it was uh, Mako Boats. Uh, you know, growing up, uh, my dad was always friends with Bob Hughes from Bob Hughes Boat and Ski Shop. And when my dad saw that I had an offshore passion and I kept sneaking out from Biscayne Bay with our little 16-footer, he figured one day I'm going to get killed. So we, <laughs> he wanted to get a different boat, and he wanted to get an aqua sport, which is what Bob Hughes Boat Dealership sold. And I said, I don't want that. I want the Saltwater Sportsman magazine ads and all. And said, this looks like a cool boat. My dad didn't want to do it. I finally talked him in to looking at a Mako. He said, this is not a bad boat. And so he bought it. And then a few years later, I started fishing the Mako owner tournaments and it had done rather well. And the same marketing person at Mako who put on the owner tournaments used to run an outdoor riders trip where he would invite 10 to 12 of the top outdoor riders in the country, take them on a week-long fishing expedition aboard Mako boats, and everybody uh. had an article to write. And I met Barry Gibson and Rip Cunningham from Saltwater Sportsman in 1981 in the Bahamas. I was asked to take my boat and help fish some of these riders. It was my senior year of college. And about a year, maybe two years after that, they asked me to write a, a piece for Saltwater. And then um, they flew me up to Boston, wanted to know if I wanted to come to work as a staff editor with them. And, you know, I've been with them since 1983. So had my father bought an Aquasport instead of a Mako, we wouldn't be talking together right now. That's great. I actually had a Mako uh, when I was in high school in New Jersey. I, I, used, I had a 21 Mako, and we would go out for stripers and all that. Great boat. Awesome. Oh, so. no doubt. And a funny twist to that story is 
and I had graduated University of Miami with a major in broadcast journalism. And the only reason I was even in that field or, or taking those subjects is because I had no idea why I wanted to be, and I figured that was the <laughs> easiest uh, of courses to take where I would still have a lot of free fishing time. And if somebody right. told me my senior year of college that I would be doing what I'm doing now, I would look at them and call them a bold-faced liar. I went there because <laughs> it was the easiest courses to take, and it gave me more fishing time, and somehow it all bit me in the rear end, and I ended up doing exactly what I graduated with. That's, That's cool. Which is awesome. Bizarre. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's a cool story. I mean, what, what, so like you get it. So now you're into it. You're, I mean, you're doing your shows. What was some of your favorite experiences, um, you know, going out on these, on these trips and going fishing for a living now? Like what was, what was some of the top ones that you can, that you could think of? Oh man, there's so many really good ones over the years. Um, uh, aside I mean, from riding on the planes with me and stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, other I feel bad for Freddy. you, man. You're stuck with Freddie. Yeah, other than hanging out. I just put the headsets on and listen to my music. That's yeah, that's what friends. I do too. <laughs> uh, there's, well, there's a lot of good ones. I mean, the first time that you're fishing these uh, foreign destinations like uh, Panama or Costa Rica. It's, it's pretty wild. Back before the crazy uh, people took over Venezuela, we used to go there. I've been there probably about 10 times in the fall for that white marlin run, which is incredible. You could go out there and catch 15, 20 white marlin a day. They're Jeez. up there uh, just corralling sardines. It, it just some of the things that, that I was fortunate enough to, to see. And, of course, some of the great catches, um, my 143-pound wahoo caught in San Salvador, Bahamas. What? Thing is really uh, George, that's my pounds. favorite fish. That is that is unbelievable. I'll show you the photo. Oh <laughs> my god! It's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, wait, can I? What were you using for that? We were intentionally fishing for wahoo, and it ate a two-pound trolling lure. And um, we had caught, I think, five or seven that day. And we were coming off the top of this underwater mountain because that's where they hang around. You troll up on the mountain and come off it. And fortunately, we were coming off when the fish hit. And he really took a ton of line off an 80 international pin, and we caught the fish. And I never saw the size of it until they, I heard somebody screaming up at the top, oh, my God, it's – and I couldn't even repeat the words they said. And I still didn't right. see it. And I said, it must be a big fish. So they gaffed it. They opened up the tuna door, brought it in. And when I saw how Jeez. just unreal this, the size of that fish was, it was awe-inspiring. But had we caught the fish trolling up, to the mountain, chances are they've been eaten by the sharks because they have these sharks that are really right. bad there. And mm-hmm. when you hook them trolling up, they'll get you. But we were lucky enough trolling off to drag the fish away, and, and the sharks left them alone. That, that's amazing, George. I mean, in our last um, summer tournament, uh, we actually broke a record with uh, one of our biggest wahoos ever caught. It was a seventy, uh, basically a seventy-two wow. pounder, and that fish looked fake. I mean, yeah. when you brought it in, it just yeah. it was so unreal that like it just it was just odd so i mean i can't even imagine you you know you they open that door and That's you see double, this double the size of double that. the size of that i mean that is ridiculous I, what, what, I, all i remember is like what you just said fake when i saw the yeah. head coming in and they're sliding it then i saw the girth and it it reminded me of two things i remember it went through my mind that man this looks like some weird creation that walt disney could try right that was one of them the other one, it, it, it's so huge, it looks like a pool float, like one of those kiddie pool floats you jump on this big giant <laughs> fish and float around in a pool with. 
<laughs> well, not only that, I, I'm sure this happened to your fish too, but every like big wahoo I've ever caught or ever seen caught, they die like really quick. I guess it's because they're just fully pelagic and they just, they just suffocate to death. And then when you get them in, they're pretty much dead. But I think that brings also the element of kind of the fakeness to them because they're just like laying there and you're just in awe of something that's just gigantic. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. <laughs> It is. I, th- I think what happens is they expend so much energy in that initial first blazing long run, yeah. and then they'll do a second but shorter run, and they may have a third or fourth left, smaller and smaller, based on, on the type of tackle you fight them on. And I think then that's it. They, they're they shot. And, uh, yeah. You know, but I tell you, I fought that one for – had it been over a half hour, if not 45 <sighs> minutes and I wish he died a lot sooner, to be honest. <laughs> Jeez, that's George, unbelievable. what year was that? Because uh, wasn't the world record like 110 pounds forever? Like it was a long time, and now it's like 180-something, right? Uh, no, the world record, I remember when I caught mine, um, I was, I think it was five pounds shy of the uh, record in, I thought, the 80-pound category, which is what I w- w- had. There was a larger fish that was the all-tackle record, and then that got bumped, I think, a year after I caught mine, and I was at 180-some pounder, I think, caught in Cabo or somewhere over in that part of the world. That's so unbelievable. Big. 180 but pounds. I, but but I, had that, I had that big wahoo mounted, and it's hanging out uh, on the wall by my swimming pool. So uh, every great once in a while, I'm floating around in a pool, uh, having a Heineken, I'll pay homage to the big wahoo. Singing on my wall. That's I'm awesome. Back about that I actually got a Wahoo tattooed on my arm, and I just I um. It's funny because a Wahoo was actually what kind of springboarded my tournament series because I caught um, a monster 65 pound Wahoo on the kayak here in Pompano, and uh, that kind of that fish is what kind of springboarded what I do today. So it's it's I just love that wow. fish. Amazing. It was, it was 65 pounds after Photoshop, but it was probably yeah. more like 32 pounds. <laughs> yeah, right. And okay. then plus you're, you're catching these what off a kayak, right? Yeah, we're catching them off a kayak, and like I said, our our last summer tournament, we had a, a 71.9 pounder, and then we had a 59 pounder caught. That, it's that, amazing. That's, that's crazy, you know, those kind of catches off a kayak. It's, I mean, a fish like that aboard a, a 54-foot sport fishing boat's amazing. I can only imagine right. when you scale mm-hmm. it down, you do it in a kayak. It's Yeah, it's it's nuts. I was shocked. I mean, I'm on the beach waiting for these guys to come in, and, then uh, I, and I'm getting updates on the radio and I get a crackle on the radio, and it's it's one of our guys, Doug, and he's like, Joe, all right, I'm going to tell you two things. One, this guy caught a wahoo. Two, it's the biggest wahoo I've ever seen. And you still don't – it still doesn't compute. I'm thinking like, you know, 50-pounder, awesome. When he brought that thing in, he had a crowd around him on the beach. He, he had help. He, he, had, he, he couldn't carry the fish it. alone. Yeah, he had help. He had help bringing it wow. up to the beach. I mean, it, it was – it's huge. That's yeah, imagine, I, George, so, like, there's no there's no dock. Like, you pull up to the beach, and then there's a 30-yard walk to the stage, and, you know, Unreal. everybody who's just hanging out at the beach, they're all, like, it Waiting. looked like Rocky was coming up the beach running <laughs> with all these people following him because the thing was just a monster. Uh, it was that is cool. an amazing sight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what about, what's another, like, awesome story that you got? Oh, my goodness. There's, shoot, there's so many. Uh, to pick one. I remember one year, it was uh, 1984, it was October, and the reason I remember that, I just got a 25-foot Mako, and that was the first time that we were fishing in it, we're out of Key West, and we get hooked to speed yellowfin, 
and I was with two friends. They were with me, and we're fighting the elephant, which we eventually got the elephant. It was 110 pounds, but as we were fighting the fish, we had it on 50-pound tackle, the elephant sounds, and it's, a, it's not a short battle. It takes some time, and my buddy's fighting in the chair, and we're drifting. And all of a sudden, we see this humongous dark shadow moving underneath the water surface where my buddy and I, uh, who the ones that weren't fighting fish, saw it at the same exact time. And we were so, like, startled that we didn't even talk to each other that we just, that what we were looking at. And then my buddy fighting the fish saw it. It was a great white shark, and then we finally said, what? oh, my God, look at that great white. What? It was huge, and then it sounded. I said, there's the end of that tuna. That tuna's toast, but we got the tuna and never saw the shark. Four days later, they were holding a big tournament in Bimini, and I was over here in the States, and I saw or heard people saying that a great white shark was swimming by the tournament boats off of Bimini, so I've got to assume it's probably the same white shark that we saw off of Key West. Four days later, it was up harassing the uh, the Marlin tournament boats uh, that were fishing out of Bimini, but this thing was so huge, and we were in a 25 Mako at the time, and and you never felt so small on a boat until you wow. saw that size of that fish that was in the water. Chief, they, they just spotted a great white in Miami this week, I think, right? Or maybe it was the Keys, but it was a big one. It was a big, big white shark. Dude, I mean, that's... He's in a 25-foot Mako. Those sharks are bigger. Are <laughs> monsters. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, crazy. my yeah. God, man. That is unbelievable. And you got the fish, too. That, that's even more crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, when I there. Saw, when we, saw the, we saw the white shark dive deep in a vicinity where the tuna was. I, said, There's the, I mean, he was going for that tuna. We were just expecting that line to speed up, and then, boom, it would have been cut. But, no, for whatever reason, he – uh, didn't mess with it or didn't know it was there or whatever, and we got that fish in. So that was uh, crazy. And, and, and I'll tell you f- um, another funny one, or yeah. more than a humorous, a little. this past Monday, I did some fun fishing with a couple of friends of mine, no cameras. We took the boat out of Hallover Inlet, and we went out, found these big wheat patches in 1,100 feet of water. We started drifting live baits, cut some small fish, and released them. Some school dolphin came around, decent-sized ones. We boated them. And my buddy Carl hooks, and we land a 45-pound bull dolphin. Oh, now, awesome. the dolphin's stomach is just, like, huge. So we uh, weighed him up. And then we pulled, yeah, we pulled up to the boat ramp, and we, we decided to clean the fish at the Hallover Park uh, cleaning table. We cut open his stomach, and here is a decomposing school dolphin that looked to be probably in, in about that four-pound class. This fish had eaten, and um, <laughs> sorry, little and, buddy, and, I'm, I'm a little hungry. Yeah, it's not unusual that these big, you know, these dolphin, they're they're cannibals. They eat their own, and uh, anything that's food, they're gonna eat. But I was looking at this big dolphin, and I'm, we're just wondering how could that fish open his mouth that wide to down this anywhere three to four pound school dolphin whole. It's, it just goes to show you they're just eating machines, and I know people, you know, some people feel, sorry, oh, you're, you're hurting those fish and this and that, but, hey, you know, they're out there, they're eating their young, and the whole bit, it's sort of like, in human terms, that'd be like Jeffrey Dahmer, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're kind of a I saw crazy fish. I mean, they, I figured I, the next, like, schoolie I catch, I'm going to put them on a circle hook and hey, hope, you never know, <laughs> man. For the best. Hey, you might get well, a big wasp on that. <laughs> 
and if you don't get a huge bull dolphin, that that's about a prime of bait as you could get for a blue marlin, which uh, they they stock those marlin. I'm mean, excuse me, the marlin stock dolphin. They eat them, so it always pays to stick a schoolie out there way back behind the spread while you bail school fish. And if there's a blue around, he might decide to eat it. Now, George, do you think uh, do you think a lot of blue marlin come in here to South Florida? Do you think there's a good amount of them? I would. Well, you got to understand it's an apex predator, so you don't have the vast numbers of them as right. you would say kings or sailfish and all, because it's a bigger predator fish. And, uh, but yes, I do. I, I believe more marlin or blue marlin come through our area here than than most people think. And I think so many people they're live baiting or they're trolling uh, close to shore. If if some if a bunch of boats had gone out and they wanted to fish for marlin specifically, get out to some of these deep ledges and start pulling big baits, big lures, and just concentrate it on blue marlin, I think you'll see a lot more marlin raised and, and caught off this area. I mean, they have to squeeze through Bimini and South Florida on their northern migration, so right. it's just that people here are fishing for so many other things with their style. They're not necessarily geared up for marlin, and the, and the blue marlin that get caught around here or caught incidentally some guy's dragging a small lure for dolphin or a ballyhoo and a marlin eats it or one guy gets lucky with a live bait off a kite and um, catches it and i've caught a blue marlin out here live baiting for sailfish a number of years back ate a uh, mullet on a 20 pound swim down and got him nice jesus we should go shoot for those tomorrow george yeah that's a, be a long, <laughs> that'd be like a knockout punch that's what you'd be looking for but you know, when the dolphin are coming through, you know, there's there's marlin in there. And you're coming on a, a good time for them, springtime into yeah. early summer. You know, those fish are moving. Right yeah, now. I hear, you know, a lot of people talk about it, and they and they say, you know, that you got a good shot, you know, at certain times of year of getting a big blue marlin that, that'll come through here. And well, they say that with yes. yellowfin tuna, too. Well, it goes back to what I always say. Like, we have a buddy named Doug, and we love him to death. He's the best. He's taught me, pretty much taught me, all, you know, Everything that I don't know, I, I very, I know very you little. Got that? What was that? I, I know very <laughs> little. I know very little about fishing, but Doug taught me all of it. But he's always like preaching like live bait, and I'm like, Doug, you know, the reason you probably don't catch anything on like artificials is because you never use artificials. <laughs> you know, like sure. you're never gonna, you're never like. I, it reminds me of those giant, um, those mojo lures that we were using in uh, New Jersey when, you know, we we don't fish with those big things down here, but I'm sure the fish here would eat the, those mojos like. But we're never going to find out if we don't try it out, you know. Like the temptation oh. to just go, the temptation to just go out and like catch fish with live bait is is there because we all know it works. But like, what if that thing would just destroy them, like it does those striped bass up there? That thing you never is, know. I mean, it's like a thirty-six ounce like jig with a big grub tail on it and a skirt. It's a beast, and they yeah. double them up. They put two in line, like thirty-six inches above each. You're one talking about for the striper. For the striper, yeah. But I mean, dude, I think everything would eat that. Am I right, George? Don't you think yeah. the other? Fish I believe. Would be I think if you just cut it down to like one big single and you troll it, uh, I think you could get grouper on them without a doubt on the reefs, the big black groupers, and I think wahoo would probably bust that up too. And and uh, you know it's just interesting that they have a a lure that works on striped bass, but yet very few people actually try that in an offshore situation down here. People just get so tied into certain techniques that they're afraid to break it and uh, try something different. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, 
I, I just, I don't know. You you were in the poppers for a minute there, and oh, I tell, I, I, George, tell uh, him, I don't tell know. Him, tell him uh, what lure, tell him what lure that I beg for you to catch fish on every why time. Are you we obsessed with poppers, man? Because it's amazing. Yeah, we, we brought them. this Williamson Popper Pro, uh, the Popper Pro One Thirty, uh, up to Jersey for that show, and that's one of my go-to dolphin lures. I put it on a twenty-pound test spin, uh, and I throw that chugger out. And the audible Amazing. noise and sound of it just attracts dolphin like crazy. And, you know, anything that would eat a popper would jump on us. So we were trying to catch stripers up there on Jersey. We caught them on uh, soft plastics. We caught them on the troll. And I was trying to get one on topwater. And, and Freddie's right there at that camera. And he goes, I want to get the hit. And they just, whatever reason, we weren't getting the opportunities to get them on this plug. So I threw out again, and I'm reeling this in. And, and Freddie just had the camera following the plug. And sure enough, I go, there's a bass behind it. I see a shadow. And Fred has this amazing shot. camera. It comes alongside the boat, and I ran out of real estate and working that plug and the plug stop, and this bass just arcs on the plug, knocks it out of the water into the air, misses the <laughs> hook, cool the plug lands. The best you see got the bass sit there for like a moment, and, and it swims off, and Fred got that all on camera. That's cool. Yeah, it was like the coolest shot. That's um, pretty neat. It that, was. that thing it was, was just hungry. Oh. <laughs> So George, what, what, what advice? Huh? What advice would yep. you give to like uh, a, a lot? Of, I'm noticing a lot of these young kayakers coming up, a lot of these young fishermen coming up, and you know, what, uh, someone that's been in the business for these all these years. I mean, what advice would you give some of those young kids coming up that maybe want to do something like this for a living? Well, it's um, <laughs> and I tell this, I get I get that question asked of me a lot by a lot of young kids and and i'm going to give them the old-fashioned response which they don't really like to hear but but i'm being truthful they, they think there's this magic bit of advice i could give them and it, but and you got to understand that what i do or what maybe a lot of other people are, are doing it, it it's almost a rarity to in especially in a small field like like the fishing field to be successful at what you do sure and it's a lot of hard work it knows no time boundaries or anything like that and, you know, it's not one set thing that you make a living on, but rather three or four different uh, things that you do that, that bring it together. Now, that being said, what I give advice to the young kids, I tell them my bit of advice to you is to go out and get an education. Finish up whatever you want to do in school, get a college degree or get a degree or it's something in the trades. Make sure that you get schooled in a profession or a very good job. Then if you go out in the workforce and you're doing well professionally or with your trade and you're making decent money, you will always be able to afford to participate in our sport at a very good level with decent equipment. And if you want to replace boats or replace reels or electronics, you could be able to do that. And the value there is that you have another profession that you earn the money from so you could spend it and enjoy it as a sport. I see so many right. people that want to get involved in our sport as a as a work to work that after a while they get burned out because they figure, oh my God, I thought this would be fun if they want to be a guide, and all of a sudden they have a monthly payments to make and it's blowing thirty knots or twenty five knots and they have to force themselves to go out there and fish. I've seen so many people get burned out on the sport they love once they. Uh, figure they need to make a living on it somehow. So I tell people, get a degree in something, learn a trade, 
make some good money, and enjoy fishing as a sport. Uh, this way you'll never, ever tire of it, and um, you always have the means right. uh, to participate. So, you know, I know they want to hear a magical answer, but, uh, but that's my sound advice. No, hey, I, I appreciate that. It's it's definitely real, and that's that's why Joe, that's why Joe doesn't get to fish anymore. Yeah, that's why he, I don't fish anymore. He turned right? kayak fishing into a business, and he doesn't he hasn't been out in over a year. So. Uh, I'm burnt out. Yeah. Well, they also, you know, a lot of guys they don't see a lot of, especially you know, and I'm guilty of it. I went to films. I'm in film school right now. Yeah. Because I want to produce content that is fishing, right? And right. That's what I want to do, and you know, George and I have talked about that, but. What a lot of people don't see is the hours and hours George's wife is scheduling stuff in another exactly. state, or they don't, don't see, see what that. Joe's yeah. wife is scheduling, or they don't see these hours upon hours of meetings with these companies who you're basically relying on to pay for these to things. To survive. They, yeah. don't, they see you go fishing for 30 minutes on Saturday morning, and they think that's all there is to it. Yeah, and, exactly. And it's really like a, full, it's like a double job. It's like two 40-hour-a-week jobs. To get that thirty-minute show, exactly. Even that thirty-minute show is, you know, that's four days of work for, yeah. for a thirty-minute show. So they don't see that part, and I think it is good to be realistic with them and, and kind of like educate them on the fact that it is not just going out and fishing with someone holding a camera. <laughs> exactly, it is not. I mean, I, I try to right. we try to make a pilot for a for a kayak fishing show, and for we had two weeks we couldn't get the footage that we needed, and we just it still hasn't happened. Yeah, so it's like. It's very difficult to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, I know. It, it, it's just that illusion that 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 I guess we we land where they think, oh, all right, here we go. Let's go out in the boat. Okay, we fish for a half hour. We got five fish. Great. Let's put the boat in the trailer. We all got a half hour show now. Yeah, we catch a cobia, yeah. mako. Uh... Well, like I, like <laughs> when we went to Texas, when we went to Galveston, and the first day it was blowing really hard, and we just yes. kind of scrapped that day, and then they, you know, um, um. They called and they were like, "Hey, we're catching fish," and we had to be on the we had to be on the ready. So they and right. they came and picked us up, and we went out there and we didn't catch anything that day. Like yeah. even though like for that thirty minute segment of the day, they caught some fish. Sure, we didn't catch anything else that yeah. day. There's a lot that goes into mm-hmm. it, yeah. even with my tournaments, weather, all that stuff. It's just it's it, you know it's it's got to align you know in a way for it to kind of turn out mm-hmm. you know hard work perfect meets, hard work and opportunity meet. And that's what and that's what it takes. But you you got to do you got to put in the work. Yeah. Yeah, George. Yeah, and, and yep, yes, you do. And you got to catch a break with the weather too. You, hey, you can never beat Mother Nature. Exactly. You also have to catch fish, which I don't do. So <laughs> and finally, gonna catch be, fish. It's going to be difficult for me because I don't catch fish. Sorry, Fred. I know. I know. That's the <laughs> so so George, before we let you go, I know you're probably busy. Um, what what uh what do you think about? Joe's UFO talk and uh, the, the the UFO like he he thinks that he sees UFOs. Well, let me all right, in, before, in whoa, 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 whoa. George. Let me explain this to you. Freddie's not okay. saying this the right way. Real quick, because we do got to go. So, okay, uh, years ago, I was looking up uh, in South Jersey and uh, I noticed this object. It was circular and it was like I, I don't know if you're a fan of the old Star Trek, but. Um, it was kind of like Star Trek. Um, yeah, and it was cloaked, like it was literally like a Klingon ship. Like you could see the stars through it, but you saw as it was moving the wave, like it was cloaked. It was like a flat. It was like a uh, then recently one of those clear shower curtains. Yes, and then recently, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I don't sleep well, so I'm always up around four a.m. and I walked outside and. Um, about to go in my truck and I look up again and I see another one of these strange 
ship-like things that, that's cloak, and you could see actually the light from the moon kind of shining on it. And I don't know. I just think there's something shower curtain something flag. going on, you know? I and mean, what do you think, Well, George? the question I have for you, so you've seen this uh, twice. same thing apparently twice now, right? Correct. So I guess my question to you on both of those occasions when you saw this thing, how many Papa's Claw rum drinks did you had before you looked up at the sky? <laughs> oh my God. You know, it's funny, George, because Papa's Pilar sponsors the kayak fishing tournament and also it's Georgia sponsor. So oh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. A little plug for Papa. Yeah, oh, yeah. Enough of that stuff. You'll be seeing flying saucers. Oh, that's true, man. That's true. Hey, do you, uh, on your trips, know. real that's quick, a, that's a, huh? do, do you, have so you ever seen a Bigfoot Yeti? I got no, ask. see, in our part of the world, it's a skunk ape. See, everybody gets that all confused. Yeah. It, 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 down in South Florida, it, it's a skunk ape. Up, you see, you're from Jersey, so you're, you're probably going to call it a Yeti or whatever the heck it's. No, a Yeti's up in the tundra, a snow country. South Florida is growing up, it's always been a skunk ape. Every now and then, you'll hear people seeing one run across US 27. I remember growing up, they <laughs> used to write about the Miami Herald. And you would hear, like, every fourth or fifth year, somebody would see a skunk ape, but then we haven't heard in our ear about a skunk ape in, like, 30 years. I guess the area got so populated, they don't like crowds, so they moved north or something. But uh, huh. a skunk ape is uh, what we have down here. And did you ever have a skunk ape experience? No. Yeah, I, 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 I honestly tell you, I've never had a skunk ape experience. <laughs> okay. But you have heard of them. That's cool. That's Jay, will, Jay will love oh, yeah, that. No, oh, 100%. That's an institution in South Florida. You Google skunk ape, and you'll see all kinds of stuff and apparent sightings and the whole bit. This, you know, Back in the day, this was skunk ape uh, country. Alleged awesome. sightings. And we have to end it yeah, there because that is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> all right, George. Well, listen, man, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It was an honor, and uh, it was a joy talking to you, and I hope we can have you you know, on some more in the future. And I definitely hope I can get you maybe, maybe one day to one of our tournaments and you can come check it out and just hang out with us, maybe on a help boat or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll drop the green flag and start all the kayaks, get them off the, the start line. There we go, man. It, it would be awesome. It'd be an honor for you to come and check us out. I'll keep you, well, I'll keep you on the schedule. Fun talking to you and I hope we could do this again. All right. Thanks, George. I appreciate it, man. Right, Mr. Pavaramo. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right. You guys take care and keep keep an eye out on the UFOs. Don't let them capture you. Oh, you know it, man. He's just trying to get probed is all. It's going to happen. I, I'm afraid like the third time is going to be the bad time. He's just too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, George. All right, see you, Talk bud. to you, buddy. Have a good weekend. Bye. All right, see ya. Happy Easter. So what we learned? Well, I think George learned that you have this need to be probed. I think George has seen a skunk ape and he didn't want to share it. Uh, it might ruin his TV career. Exactly. That's I think true. he saw one. I think he, he could have. Did you hear how enthused he got into that for a second? And then, and then he cut back. What if he has like footage? He got a little too what much if he has it? footage of a skunk ape, like backstroking? He might. Three miles offshore, just picking trigger fish Listen, out of like a He's on line. national TV. He's got an image. He can't release what he really saw. You he think, saw a skunk ape. Yeah, I mean, the problem, I'm gonna when we get him on again, we need to really dig in. I think I think the CIA probably got to him prior to. I just think no, you got you, people you know that are famous. They can't talk about that stuff. True. You know what I'm saying? No, I know what you mean. So listen, before we end the show, we got the Sailfish Smackdown coming up. Mm-hmm. Any predictions? 
Um, Leg two. This is it for the year. You got the $800 ring, the championship ring, 5K on the line. I don't know how many of these. Was it going to be an out of, was it going to be an out of towner that's going to win it? I don't know if Eric's coming back. So there's only three people with uh, an edge, a one fish mm-hmm. advantage for the ring, right? So um, you got you got Eric Frank, from Texas. You got Franco, Eric, and Robinson. Franco's doing it. He signed up. So Robinson for sure, you know, is going to be here. We could potentially have a guy from Jacksonville win the whole series. I also need to retract something. I think that I said on the last podcast, I think we were talking about how many fish were hooked and landed versus how many were lost. I think it was three for nine. I don't know, but I think that I attributed a lost fish to Robinson, but he did not lose one. It was someone else who uh, called on the radio. I think that I thought it was Robinson and he did not lose a fish. Huh. And then some of the footage. No, uh, Dell had a doubleheader. He lost them both. Very possible. I don't know, but I know. And then, the, and then some of the footage that I took. You know, Robinson hooked his fish and then leadered it, and then he popped that fish off. Yeah. And um, for some reason, a couple of those videos that, that that was a really clean shot. So I I think what happened was like because that shot was stable because a lot of that footage wasn't stable. You know what that teaches you? It showed Robinson. Get pop- the photo for me. No, I got Harmless it. That's what I'm fish. saying. But what happened is like it shows Robinson breaking off after he caught the fish, but it doesn't it, it in and what it portrays is him losing a fish. Oh. You know what I mean? But he didn't lose that fish. He that was the fish he leadered and landed. Right. Like he cut it off. And then the one that he didn't hold up for a photo, like I asked. Yes. Okay. That's not his fault. Just wondering. No, I know. That's our fault. I told him to I'm just throwing that out there. I know. Thanks, bud. Um uh, go on. Yeah, and then um well, we also didn't have a photographer. Yeah, we did. That day. No. Yeah, we did. Not Micah. That. No. Mm-hmm. He was nowhere near. Yeah. You see, Fred, in a I man's life... Anyway, it doesn't you matter. Catch I, 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 I retract my previous statement. But also, um, uh, the sailfish is going to be a lot better. Yeah, I think maybe. It's been on the fire. Weather, the weather's going to be better. People are, yeah, the weather's definitely going to be better. Thank yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. Um, my phone isn't blowing up, so that's good. Mm-hmm. And um, the sail fishing has been better as well. I think it's going to be – it's one of those things where I think it's going to come down to the wire, right to the wire again. I feel like I think Rob might get another one. For sure, yeah. I mean, he catches them all the time. So I, I feel like when there's um, – when, there's, when, there's when the weather is good – It's a north wind. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's good. So I think a lot of people will catch fish. Those guys who have the one fish head start already are right. well, in the driver's seat. You know? Right. Because if everybody else catches one – for the ring. Yeah. This isn't for the 5K, just yeah, so people sure. understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, they don't, it's a separate they're thing. They're not cumulative. You're, each tournament is separate, but for the ring... It's the same. It's, it's, a, it's a accumulation of fish. Right. Um, so who's your prediction? Uh, local or out-of-towner? I'm going to pick a local. Really? Which is, which is... Well, because, I mean, I, you mean for the ring or the next? For the ring. Oh, yeah. I pick... I, if I had to pick someone for oh, the wait, ring... Oh, wait, so you're going to pick an out-of-towner for the, for the tournament. If I have to pick an out of towner, it's going to be more out of towners than locals, like always. That's what, yeah. Like so, the, I think Robinson will. If Robinson catches another one, I think he'll win the ring. Okay. I think he, I think he'll be fine. Um, but for this next tournament, um, it all depends on how many locals enter versus how many non-locals enter. Right. It's moving towards more non-locals, so yeah, exactly, it would be bad money to bet on the, the locals. locals because you're sure Isn't that numbers. Amazing? It's weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. So um, weird. Yeah, it's weird, but it is what it is. But it's becoming. It's, but that's great, though. It has it's something great to for do. The sport. It know? also, I think, like we said, well, like I was telling you on the phone, yeah, last time we talked a few few days ago. But yeah, 
I think when there's a two day tournament, like people from out of town can make a week of it because yeah, they it really, love it. It really does require a week. You know, if you're coming from say Tennessee or something, right? You got to be here on Thursday for the weigh-ins, and Friday is a off day, and then Saturday, Sunday, and then either way, you have to take a week off of work. Yeah, so I mean, it's really three days. You got Friday the kickoff party, Saturday, Sunday. That's Friday is the kickoff. Party. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just so for the sailfish for, for the for summer. The summer it's okay, Thursday. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I think they have to take. You're gonna have to take a week off if you're coming here normally, yeah. and if you're and because you have to drive. If you could just fly in, you know, you could do that. Friday, right. Saturday, Sunday, and fly away on Saturday on Sunday night. But you really can't do that if you're bringing a kayak. And sure. that's you need a kayak. So yeah. Um, well, guys, you can still sign up for the Sailfish Smackdown. You go to extremekayakfishing.com. Uh, make sure you uh, like us on Instagram, Extreme Kayak Fishing, uh, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch videos like this with uh, Freddie here me, 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 and myself. Also, and, uh, uh, for a chance to win that um, yes, that Garmin. We're gonna push idea. that back. One more episode, I feel like, because uh, we just weren't ready for it. What, hap- what ha- happened was Joe forgot. Yes. So we didn't do the actual I'm selling draw. a house. We didn't do it's the actual been nuts. Draw. I got a tournament coming up. Which is Trying good to have everyone. a baby. Which is good. Got a lot, got a, got a lot going on. He doesn't know this how This is to... the world's smallest violin, but yeah. But I, we got a lot going on. But we will push that to the next episode after the uh, Sailfish Smackdown tournament. So be sure to uh, subscribe. To the Freddy? YouTube channel. Yeah. So, and then, and then you'll have a chance to win yep. at the, the Garmin. And also subscribe to uh, Pedal Pirate here. Oh, yeah, boy. And uh, his YouTube channel now has 101 subscribers. Hey, bro, watch out. Oh, buddy, go. 120-something, yep. son. All right, guys. Loyal followers. We love you. Guy, 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 guy. Bye. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.